0: I've discovered not only that I want to be the best father that I can be for my children in the field of psychology, as you would think, or I have discovered, is that my healing is also occurring around the fact that I am i got my 15-year-old daughter, my 11-year-old son, that I'm trying to be the best father that I can be to. But In my healing, I realized that I'm still healing the third child that I have, and that is the boy in me that didn't have the father looking at me trying to be a father. Some days... Feel Like I failed him.
1: These kind of
0: relationships make you disturbed when we don't take the time to know what it is to say, to know how to. How you feel, dog, Bruh, like I told you, man, it's, uh, got the days when you got super, your superpower, and then there are days when you're like, what happened to my superpower? But today I feel good, man. I feel good because I'm around family, loved ones, friends. So, I feel good.
1: We've watched each other, bro, move through so many different phases of life, man. And we have such a unique relationship as men, as boys, as you know. The, mm-hmm. I um, wanted to use this as an opportunity, man, to just show our love, man. as like, man, bro, it's overwhelming, man, to think about our lives yeah. and where we come from, how we even got here, like, how we know each other, <laughs> like, how we, it's a, it's a story, man, of just God's, uh, the universe's plan, divine plan for things to just align in the way that they're supposed to so that they can unfold yeah. and demonstrate the like beauty of, of, of what's going on, man. And uh, um, I have so much to thank you for. You know, when I moved here and you were going to Temple, I was just coming off the heels on some nigga <laughs> shit, bro. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, I wasn't fully aware of where you were and what you were doing. And um, we hadn't talked that much up to that point if my if my memory serves me correctly
0: right. yeah there was a gap
1: yeah and then and then you know I move here and, and pop start taking me up to Philly or you coming down or whatever and it was almost like we didn't miss a beat Didn't miss a beat and you were you were doing you were living a life man and 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 developing the skill set to just be the man that I was going to need you to be when I showed up. Mm-hmm. You know, I know you were concerned about me being off the reservation, you know, with the Way stuff the that I was doing. <laughs> but, you know, um, when I saw, when I got integrated into your life, man, and saw the work that you were doing and why you were doing it and how you were doing it, it it gave me a path out, mm-hmm. and um, one of the things that I remember is hearing the conversation or learning about the story about you even getting into psychology out of out of architecture, man. Yeah, can
0: you can you
1: talk a little bit about that?
0: Well, yeah, I mean, I I actually, you know, we, you. You know, we grew up in the projects of uh, Illinois, and, um, you know, my school was probably about eight blocks from my house, so, you know, when, when we would walk to school, I noticed as we left the neighborhood and got closer to the school, the environment changed. The grass was greener, houses were were well-maintained, and, um, Hell, it even seemed like the air changed. Um, and as a child, you know, I would ride my bike and see not only just the route coming going to school, but just as I left outside the area. You know, when we were kids, we could ride our bikes for miles. And so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, something in my mind was like, this, I want this for the neighborhood where I live at. And somehow I thought that maybe the changing of the environment in the neighborhood would make the, the neighborhood better, safer, and probably would decrease the stress that I saw in the neighborhood. So in addition to that, my grandfather was a carpenter. He, he, um, he was one of the guys that, that helped um, contract with the city at the time to build Um, or repair homes and things like that so you know you kind of take your grandfather's construction ability and then my desire to see the neighborhood change and when I by the time I got to high school there was a course called drafting um, and that's where we you know the initial part of the course is teaching you how to measure and how to write with different pencils different widths and thickness and you know, these lines, but it allowed you to manipulate 3D objects. And then from there, you start to draw buildings. And I was fascinated by my ability to, to, to take a concept out of my mind and put it on a piece of paper. Uh, and, you know, I discovered this field called architecture. And I said, Okay, this is this is what I want to do. This is what I'll use to transform my neighborhood and and make it a better place. And so I, you know, started to take courses in construction management and clearly drafting and so forth. But I always I also was a basketball player. So, you know, wanted to be an architect after I went to the pros. <laughs> so so you know, I spent more hours on that court trying to, to, to become what we would know as a NF, an NBA player. Um, and so when I got to college, I was taking these same courses, but you know, when you're on an athletic scholarship, your practice times are right at the times where your lab times are for architecture. So I ultimately had to change my my, Degree from architectural engineering to in civil engineering to my minor, which was psychology at the time, um, and unbeknownst to me, I you know part of transforming the physical part of the neighborhood, there was a desire to understand the psychology of the neighborhood. So I kind of made minored in that, but then had to flip the major from from architecture to now psychology and. Kind of went on from there. Obviously, I never made the pros (laughs) in basketball, but basketball was the foundation by which I got my education.
1: Now, the person people are looking at and hearing is my brother. My brother is a father. One of the best fathers I think I've ever seen in my life, by the way. I got to add that. Thank you. Um, he's a healer to others and himself. He's a doctor. He's a community-oriented man. And he is a beautiful human. The people, the person that you all are listening to and hearing is Dr. Reginald Banks. Man, and I am so thankful to have you
0: here. Man, I'm honored, brother. I'm so proud of you. And I'm doing everything I can to, to listen to you, but I'm looking at you as your big brother. And I have joy in my heart because I know where we've come from. And to just be in this moment to share with you and to share with your audience and your platform uh, something amazing that you know, people may see and, and, and derive some benefit from is, is a beautiful thing.
1: I agree 100%. <laughs> Let me get that out of the way. So we had different trajectories, right? Yeah. You're eight years older than I am. You were so far ahead that you were like a dad in many ways, or like a person. The way I remember idolizing you as a kid was just, it was like it, you were already in the NBA, bro, in my heart and in my mind. Oh, I used to put your shoes on when you would leave, <laughs> and uh, and I, you Agreed. know, just I was trying to, man, they would like. And the and an interesting part about it too, and I'm going to circle back to the psychology aspect when I moved here, but I do want to, you know, kind of connect back a little bit mm-hmm. to, to kind of set the frame. You're, you and who you were were synonymous with your mom, bro, mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. Like, they're the same people. So you know, the love that your mom showed me and the relationship that we had was something that was, that I remember at a kid feeling at times that I didn't feel from my own mom, Mm -hmm. bro. Mm -hmm. And that was crazy in hindsight, right? right? But I remember that love it, it developed a connection that just made me want to be a part and connected to everything that was associated with her.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You, by proxy, Beatrice Sybil, yeah. Gina, on down to yeah. Bambi, Scholar, Shane, like, yeah. everybody was, like, that was all of, all of that was Jan yeah. to me. And I could love her through these, um, other relationships and I was just so young at the time that it was um, just her it was just all the same thing and so now seeing that you were always that person I think I might have you know kind of got lost in my in my train of thought mm-hmm. but is what I'm saying making sense
0: yeah I mean I, I understand that my mother, was in many ways the idealized mother for you and she came in your life you know when we had a you know when we think about your mom my mom um you know at a time where you know young mothers back in the day you know may have had many other community members who supported them Um, and there are times when we had you know granny maxine who supported my mom uh who is dad's mom um and i didn't think you know at the time that me and my mom were the closest in fact there were times when i felt like my mom was you know not there for me in a way that i thought a mom should be and you know there's a very varied, varied amount of reasons of my why i thought that might be the case because you know, grew up in a household with all women, you know, one of which is my twin sister. Uh, And then here comes my my brother coming in, literally being adopted into the family. I'm like, well, well, I don't really even have (laughs) much attention to begin with. Um, So the first challenge was how do you balance, you know, another family member. But back then, our community our community was so different, so you know it wasn't. It was not unusual for you to have biological family, and then family that became family, um, and and that was very important then because it allowed for you to have some some diversity in where you receive support and love from, even if it didn't come at, at directly from your biological family. Uh, and that was really a protective factor in a way that I understand now as a man that I didn't understand then. But I, I know that it was also a, um, a way families were able to give support to children in a unique way uh, that they needed. And, and I can look at the times when my mom depended on dad's mom in a way that it was because she didn't have her mother that it was such a beautiful thing to see. And Granny Maxine was a very loving person yeah. that gave not only to my mom, but uh, many other women who, who were I think were just looking for guidance. Uh, so that matriarch that was there uh, that they got their support from. So when we look at you know, where people just filled in gaps for us. That was such a different time, very nostalgic time. Uh, and, and it's something I think ideally we, we, we kind of don't have today. So that's a challenge for kids because they, don't, they would never know that matriarch grandmother in the way that anchored their, you know, older women and, and in, in some cases, men back to the community and guided them and, and kind of gave them wisdom in a way that helped them to develop the character of who they are and who they should be.
1: When I think back about the time of me getting here and you being in college and graduating and, and getting your PhD, you set me on the path that I am now mm-hmm. with the things that you were reading or digesting yeah. and going on and I'm I'm so fascinated and I don't think we I had I did I hadn't started thinking about this until I was preparing for mm-hmm. our conversation but when I met when I when, when me and you reconnected as 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 I was 19 when I moved here, you were well on this black community centered, yeah. let me help. Yeah. That's not really where we came from. No. And I don't, when did you start adapting a lot of these philosophies and beliefs on what you wanted to do and how you wanted to show up for your people because no one outside of, like, pop, I would say, would probably be the best
0: example of that that I can think of immediately. Right, right. Well, you know, even though we grew up in circumstances that were very challenging, Mom had, I remember... Living in this house on 811 Washington, and it was it was a shotgun house. I mean, basically, you had one front door, and a, and and it goes right to the back, and you can you know open up the back door and see see straight out. Um, but she would even in those circumstances of poverty, she had these posters up of African queens and African queens, and and people would often ask me, well, how is it that you you got it in the mindset that you got in and you had your sisters and you guys, you know, kind of went in different path on different paths. Um, but I was curious about those posters. And I actually don't even know if my mother knew who these people were, because she didn't really say, hey, this person is, <laughs> you know, Methusel, or not, not Methuselah, but, uh, you know, some kind of king or queen at the time. But I was curious, but we didn't have any books that would correlate to, you know, say King Tut or whoever. And of course we didn't have the internet. (laughs) So so I just felt like, well, there's something special about us. So the only thing I could go off of at the time was the culture. So you're talking about the seventies and, you know, coming out of the black power movement. So, you know, mom and, they spent a lot of time advocating for housing rights and things like that. And mm. so she was part of, you know, this group called the Panthers that was not militant at the time, but was really looking to secure housing, food, and, and really lunch for for us. Because, again, you these groups like the Panthers and, 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 and various SNCC and all these other organizations that evolved were just, they evolved because of what we were not having access to at the time. And they evolved because, you know, studies came out that, you know, kids could study better if they have a breakfast. I mean, you would think that in America, that would be the baseline for what everyone would have considering this country was, is so great. And obviously, you know, having having its challenges now. But everybody I knew back then were on government assistance. Not because they chose to be, it was just how they survived. Mm-hmm. And everybody remembers these big blocks of cheese and oh, yeah. butter and powdered milk. Make <laughs> and, the best grilled cheese sound. Yeah, but you had to turn it on 400 degrees <laughs> to get it to melt. <laughs> and I can't even, think about what is done to our systems, but. True, true. <laughs> but, um, so mom and them were advocating for, for just basic human rights and, and that impressed upon me, you know, a, a, a spirit of trying to make sure that everybody is okay because at the same time, we were struggling. Our neighbors were struggling. Uh, and I'm sitting here as, as a child like, I, I, you know, I don't want to have to struggle like this So I gotta figure out how to do something about it. And so back then, mom would say, you may not have much, but you know, you got your pride. We want you to have pride in who you are. Do the best that you can in any and everything. So you could be poor, but you didn't know you were poor, Yeah. but you still would study. And even the the kid we would say is not the smartest back then, knew trigonometry. Um, so we had something in us that I think we have to get back to, but that spirit of what was in us never left me. And in fact, as I got older and I had uh, an ability to, to, to study and, and, and leave this world with, with through books, because back then that's what the means of how you left. Well, of course you could look at television and. And, and leave that way too. But, you know, once I got introduced to, you know, books and, and the thought of having new possibilities, then I said, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna change. And, and of course, once you start reading and, you know, in one book you have references to other books and, yeah. and it takes off from there. And then you, you say, wow, I'm, I'm not aware of this information. It's, you start to, you know, research beyond what your mom told you, beyond what you know, mentors have taught you, uh, and you go into a whole nother world uh, where you are now empowered around the possibility of, of you know, these limitless abilities that other people have had before you. And so now you don't even look at yourself as, as in, in any limited fashion. you like, there are possibilities out here and I'm gonna go get it. Now of course, again, the first possibility for me was basketball. And I'm gonna lift us out of poverty with, with this this ball. And and that was everybody's
1: <laughs> yeah, dream. Yeah. I don't But I don't you were know. actually good. You were actually yeah, yeah. yeah I, played, this, I yeah.
0: played, you know, listen, I look back at myself, you know, when you're older, you're like, man, I could've done this, I could have done this a little bit better. But I was good enough to get a scholarship. I was not good enough in terms of when you think about how you train as an athlete, you know, when you don't have a father, a coach, so you're just doing it on your own um, with the possibility of, you know, initially getting a scholarship. And so that scholarship coupled along with the dreams of being an architect, and having a knack for reading, all started to whip up in me these possibilities uh, that ultimately led to, to me getting a PhD in psychology. Now,
1: dude, I'm imagining, and I'm just gonna throw stuff out, so correct me and cut, shave the edges off until it gets okay. to be what it's supposed to be. Wow. I'm imagining a relatively emotionally underdeveloped person acquiring this information as you're going through psychology, and all of these dots are firing off in your head. Oh, that's why! That's why! That's why! <laughs> oh, hell no! Yeah. And then you, like, yeah. what? As you were acquiring this in your in your mid twenties, as you were going through, yeah. what? How were you showing up to the family at that time?
0: That's a great question. Um, My family initially saw me, well, they saw me as a problem early on because I didn't, you know, like any young boy without a father. I didn't want to take the trash out. I didn't want to wash up. I mean, these are things that boys go through. Yeah, yeah. And usually, you know, you would have a a father there or some figure brother or whatever to kind of coach you that these are the things you have to do to grow and mature. And on a hierarchy standpoint, just to add, you are a twin, but you're the youngest, the youngest you're the last of, of the... Yeah, of I three, have three sisters. My older sister is in heaven, God rest her soul. And so is my mother, God rest her soul. And so is our father, God rest her soul. And so is grandmother. Um, but my, my thought process then, in terms of developing as a, as a young man, kind of evolved. As I went along, I mean, sometimes you kind of knew what you were trying to do, but the other times you were kind of winging it. And it's a lot of winging mm-hmm. going on um, when you don't have structure and guidance. And you, you know, so you're experiencing life through experience. And a double speak parallel, but but that experience of life is happening now. So you don't get to know that it's a curve up ahead. You, you're going to crash into that curve until you understand that when you get on that street, it's a certain curve and you try to slow down before you get there. And so your, your question centered around, um, because we're talking about a lot of dynamics that happen over a lot of time. Your, your main question was what again? How did you show up to the family
1: once the you family. started acquiring? Was it to go save some folks they, to they, get them on the no, boat? Because I,
0: you don't you don't have it together to save folks. What what I was trying to do at the moment was apply it to me to save me. And where I was going is is that being the youngest, I wasn't a you know I wasn't studious. I was you know not really learning like I could or should. Applying myself and and then you know. I didn't understand that I was a visual learner until later. I mean, I could not understand why I could not learn the way the academic structure and institution teaches. They, you know, you have the person at front talking, teaching, and my mind is wondering. (laughs) And I'm sitting here trying to get these concepts, and the next thing you know, we have a quiz, a test, and I'm like, where does information come from? And so the way I studied it was to do do it through repetition. So, you know, most of my learning and how I showed up with the family, it must have looked to them like I just didn't know what the hell was going on. But I was in my mind trying to figure it out in in terms of how I learn the information. So there's a process of trying to understand how to how to learn, and then how to retain the information, and then how to utilize it. Uh, And again, I'm doing this through trial and error while failing so much that I actually failed the third grade and my twin sister was one year ahead of me until we finished high school. So I had at that point, I just internalized that I, 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 I can't learn, that probably I wasn't smart. And so I did the minimum to pass because that was what I could produce at what I thought my maximum capacity was. And as long as I wasn't in trouble, then the adults around me reinforced that 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 was okay to be be average. Um, And so I showed up in my family by being average, staying low, you know, the women were ahead, so they, they took the dominant position in the household and I really didn't start challenging that until I, you know, got older, my body filled out. But other than that, it was what they said, what they wanted to go on and and there was some battles there because, you know, you know, I'm the only boy at the time in the house and so, you know, I got strong women in my family who I love to this day but they were doing the best thing that they knew how. And again, without a father figure in the household, they too were trying by trial and error how to manage the, the guy in the household. So, so you, you're
1: developing, you're developing that when you're going through your master's and PhD program, and you're mm-hmm. also acquiring data that informs your perception and now you might not necessarily be delivering it in the most effective way no in those periods of Mm. times when you're going back to the family because in that time you were still this guy that was showing up as you were doing the on the job training right you were still showing up you were still saying hey here you were the only one well with the exception of Gina she was gone but like who was you, you know, you, you were still going back and showing up. I feel like you realized that there was a role that you needed to play. Right. Well,
0: that role was. In the family. The, the, okay. So how it showed up later was the minute I got that scholarship, my family were like, this, this brother is for real. He's, he's doing something that very few people have done in the community. So it was a respect thing like, and I could see it in my sister's face. And then of course, my mother is proud. But before I got a scholarship, my twin sister Regina got the scholarship. She was a scholar athlete. And I, in fact, I looked up to her. She was my hero. Uh, and yeah, we fought brother and sister, but she was the one that, that I said, I wanted to be like, uh, and but until I got that scholarship, my family was like, okay, he's not, I felt like they felt like he, he's not dumb. He's not he's, he's smart. He's smart enough to get a scholarship, but they didn't realize that it was athletic scholarship. <laughs> uh, I still wasn't smart at the time. Um, because you know, when you believe that you're not capable of learning, you your brain will, operate at that level. And when you go to college, then there's an expectation that the high school that you went to prepared you for college. And so they give you term papers and reading and writing and math and all of this stuff that you had in high school. And I found quickly that I needed to, to really take a lot of remedial classes. Because our high school really didn't prepare us like we, we should have been prepared. Um, but because I had that scholarship and I had a vision to get out of the hood, I didn't mind going to get extra help uh, so that I could stay eligible to play basketball. And my family was—they didn't see that part. They just saw that get out of here, go to school, and you'll be safe there. And you know, but when I got there, I'm like, well, you gotta gotta survive here. And remember, we grew up in an all 98.9% black community. So when you get to a university, and my first university uh, was 90 point, 98.9% white. And so now I'm depending on some of the same people that we had problems with in our community. I'm very hesitant to do that because I know historically there's just not been this, this good relationship. Um, but yet I need to get this help. So, you know, I'm dealing with the fear of, you know, the the imposter syndrome. Yeah. Like I don't belong here and, you know, trying to at the same time, trying to get enough help to stay eligible. So when my family looked at me, they saw I had this basketball thing and they actually thought I had this pro thing going because I was that, that good. Uh, and so they just anticipated that I could really change our entire family dynamic. So when I would come home, I didn't worry about nothing. They cooked for me. They, they cleaned it. It was just, in fact, I couldn't wait to get home because, you know, I'm on a pedestal uh, with these women um, who who loved me and raised me and nurtured me and see that I'm making more than a good faith e- effort to to change my life um, with the hope of changing changing theirs. So it was a total respect there uh, for me as their brother going through school.
1: What is it? It, I remember us having conversations about the learning thing, man, but now I think I feel like as I'm listening, it's just hitting me a little bit different. Mm And I don't think I remember hearing that Gina went ahead of you. How do you think that carried with you? Like, because that seems like a pretty...
0: Her being one year ahead of me? Or or people thinking that you had a learning disability. Well, I mean... Hell, I believe that. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But but clearly you don't, though. You know what you figure out, man. Is is there are three modes of learning in every school. Schools teach by what they say, whether it's called a VAT model, and that's VAD. So that's visual, auditory, and kinesthetic. Visual being visual, auditory being talk, kinesthetic being manipulation of the thing that you're learning, hands-on. And every teacher is supposed to understand how their children learn. So that means that individual children have these learning abilities and the teacher observes how the child is performing and from one task to the next and they kind of figure out that this kid is this and so they adapt the the academic um, you know work to that kid. Well that can happen or it cannot happen (laughs) and as a parent you don't know that that's what yeah. is happening. You just say that, you know, go to school and do your homework. You know, and there's so much more to, to that. Um, as, a, as a psychologist now who has seen the gamut of, of, of learning ability, learning disability, you know, special education, um, gifted classes, and then how parents prepare their children It wasn't until later that I understood that middle class parents expose their children to the information before they get the information. So over the summer, if you're in the fourth grade, you're going to, you know, finishing fourth grade, you're going to see math and reading that is expected of a fifth grader over the summer. They'll they'll have them do the summer reading or these summer uh, packets of information so that when the fall comes, that information is not new to that child. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that child picks up faster. When well, the hood, you know what the summer is for. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's for fun. And, <laughs> yeah, and, and, yeah. And, and, and that's important too. It's just that our parents didn't understand the connection to the fun part and then the preparation part. So the, if the kid is figuring that out by themselves over the course of time, Now I'm a parent. Now my kids get exposed to this information so that they're not seeing it for the first time at the beginning of the school year. They'll now have a reading list and we'll start to think ahead of the concepts that they should, you know, prepare or need to prepare for. And we expose them to it. Uh, And sometimes with these kids today, it can't be you. It's got to be an uncle. It's got to be an aunt. It's got to be a tutor. It's got to be somebody different because we're telling them what to do all day long Uh, and they don't, you know, they've had enough of that. So we still got to get them that information, but we have to get it to them, you know, through another means. So I believe that, you know, when I look at my childhood and I look at my sisters, um, we kind of figured that out. Me and Regina were the first two. Well, Sybil went to school. She didn't finish. Regina and I were the first two to go and finish. And, and not only get undergraduate degrees, but get master's degrees and, and subsequently I, I got a PhD. So
1: the mid-30 Reggie, late 20s, early 30 Reggie, I pull up, 19, 20 years old. Hey man, check out this Monster Cody. Hey man, read this road less yes. traveled. Yes. Hey man let's talk, in hindsight, I'm imagining you looking at me and saying, this brother needs some help. Right. Right. And you showed up in a way that isn't, that I feel is unique, not just to just men and people in general and just being like a a connector and a nurturer and a listener I mean, don't get me wrong bro you hard you know what i'm yeah. saying like oh, man. you you, you I and, am. and 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 yeah. i love that about you know how you show up cuz the expectations are high yeah um and the accountability is high but i think it's a way of kind of like Forcing, putting something here and then giving somebody opportunity to kind of like, you know, yeah. move move towards it. But I always remember us having very deep, emotionally um, focused conversations. Yeah. yeah. In like our twenties.
0: Yeah, those were listen. <laughs> Those conversations were similar to what I just described, around giving a child information before they need it, or they get exposed to it, so that they can, when they, you know, as they go through life, they they get to this part of their, you know, their educational journey, and it's not as it's not as new or, or challenging. The concept, when we read the book, um, I read the book Monster Cody. Um, and that was uh, a brother who who is no longer here, but just, you know, he's one of the brothers that started the Bloods and Crips. And he talked about his journey from, from being a raw, you know, community menace to evolving, to understanding that he has to fix a lot of the wrongs he, he created in the community. Uh, and ultimately, you know, he served a, a prison term that, that's where he, he, his life was ended. Um, but he actually got a pulse Prize because of how much work he was doing behind the scenes to, to, to cure, you know, things that he had done. And it's fascinating, his story was fascinating to me to share with you because of the... the same journey you were on, where you in Kansas City and being influenced by the environment and, and that was what you knew. And so that's what you were doing. But nobody was thinking outside the box to change the trajectory of where they were going. And so when you came, I said, let me give him something he can relate to. And that book was the first book I asked you to read. And I think it was the first book that also allowed you to feel comfortable with me to know that I understood that I can't just give you something higher that you can't relate to. Something like this has to be fictional, real, and has a lot of drama in it, but a hell of a lot of life lessons. Yeah. and so that's the that was my way in to the reconnect with you. And once I saw your reaction to it, it was like, you know, we said that people learn visually auditory and kinesthetic. You are a reader. You're smart. And people, my mother saw that in you. That's why she was there to save and, 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 and make sure that you were protected in a way so that you can get to, to hear. Um, and I saw that in you too. I saw it even more in your brother, Casey, (laughs) who I believe is a genius uh, to this day. Yeah. Um, And you just need people in place to protect and shield until people can come into their own. So when we got together, that book was one, uh, The Road Less Traveled by Scott Peck was one, uh, because now I'm like, let's go after the, the psyche. Um, but these books are books I'm reading because, again, I've read one book that led me to, that mentioned this book, that mentioned another book, and I think that the process of learning is that. It, it, you know, if you already feel the bug to learn, you know, learning will take you on the journey where it just takes you. Yeah. And of course you want to share with other, other people. And I think you grasped it and, and that became, you started saying, you know, what about this? What about that? And we would have these late night debates and whether we agreed or disagreed, the, the fact that we were debating allowed us to come back for more and go back to the drawing board wherever we are to bring more to the next debate. And that is how we started having these conversations that I, I believe, well, we know for sure they continue today. They're just at a higher level.
1: Yeah, they are. Yeah,
0: And so much of, and I've found that our, um,
1: it's like a baton, like a relay race in a way. And a lot of what we're giving is what we received, and we take it, and we remix it, and we turn it into something else. We might add a little bit of cayenne pepper, or a little bit of seasoning, salt, yeah. or whatever it is that we're yeah. doing. And we're and we're doing it through like love, and in, and intentionality. And we're, you know, as I think you've been critical of me in certain instances, but I don't think I've ever. I don't think I, I can. I don't recall feeling judged. Right, right. I think you've always seen and observed certain aspects of, of how I do things my decision making. and my um, decision-making and and have had opinions about it Right. because you know what's on the other side of it or you might even know what's in me causing me to make that decision in that way. But I never felt like there was a... a, a a lens of judgment being put onto no, it. No.
0: Listen, man, you have evolved. I mean, there there are places and spaces where when somebody's at a space and time or they, you know, you know, for lack of better words, hard headed thinking. <laughs> and and you're like, I'm sitting here like trying to reach you and I can't reach you and this young energy. Listen, that energy is the same energy you have now. You just, you, you know, it's not a blazing fire. You just, you control it, to cook with it, to, to stay warm. I mean, it's, that's, that energy is still heat. It's just managed differently. And, and it is tough to come into your own because you, you're talking about, you left the rawness of Kansas City to come to Alexandria, Virginia. And it's a different ball game up on the East Coast than it is in the West, in the Midwest. And, you know, I liken it to the movie Malcolm X when Malcolm Red Little, little got off the train and he had his zoot suit and he is in Boston and he think he fly him and Spike Lee. <laughs> and they're out of touch and out of time. Yeah. And it took uh, Big, uh, Red, uh, the Indian uh, uh, gangster, to be impressed with Malcolm a little by defending himself at a bar without knowing anybody in there. And the next, you know, the next thing you know, you're getting mentored into a whole life of crime in another mm-hmm. way. But um, I saw that 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 was you. <laughs> that was mm. you. And you, but you weren't the zoot suit here, you were, you had suits. Shirts, shoes that had the shoehorns in them, and you came here and you you adapted to what you saw here. So you kind of changed yourself on the outside without changing yourself on the inside. And of course, we know the apartment complex deal, <laughs> brother. Reggie. Tell that. No, I'ma say it, I don't know. I'ma let you say it, bro. So. I came up to visit you one time and um you had this nice, I think it was a Volvo. Audi. A Audi. Yeah. Um, and you were dressed to the hilt, and I was like, listen, okay, let's drop my stuff off at your place. You got this apartment, and you like, you had moved away, moved out of Pop's place. And we got to your place, and I'm looking around, and this an air mattress, <laughs> a TV on a box. And no, and no uh, dishes or you know paper plates, and I'm like, oh, dude, what are you doing? And because on the outside, the I way was, was killing there, them. You were, oh my gosh, you looked the part. But when we got to your apartment, I said, nah, man, we got some work to do. And that was when we, I, I said something to you. What you remember what I said? You said your house is like a fortress of solitude
1: it's the equivalent of a womb it should nourish you it should rejuvenate you it should do all of the things that you need on the inside Mm. to go out and compete in this world yeah and i will never ever 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 forget that bro
0: ever and I said it's a it's the true reflection of who you it's are before tr- you leave to present yourself to the it's world it's the true That's and I good. said you're not I said you got some work to do behind the scenes brother. and I know that was one of those critique moments that put us you had to you had to reconcile what I was saying versus what you were living at the time and um and you did. Yeah. You, you thought about it. You even We had some more discussion about it. Um, and you would come to Philadelphia and you would see my apartment. Um, and again, you know, I live that. So I'm giving that to you. Pops dressed the same way. But if you look at how he managed the inside, it wasn't. It was you were looking at what he was doing as yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm challenging you both, like, yo, man. Yeah. But pop comes from a different era too. So you and I are now the next generation, in reiteration of him and the evolution. And the next thing you know, you started going there. But to go there, it meant you had to wrestle with some demons. Um, you had to wrestle with your past. You had to confront the realities of, of who you, the circumstances that created who you were who you were at the time. And, and you had to work your way back through those back alleys to get to who you wanted to be. And that was a, that was a fight, bro. And I couldn't help you. I can only give you stuff. But you had to get in that ring and go 12 rounds with you. The, the version that society created. Yeah. In the first five rounds, you got your ass kicked. Toe up. Right. And it was everything you could do not to give up. Because it's not pretty when you, you're fighting you. And many of us men are fighting ourselves based on these things that were not in place to teach us. Again, like that child, someone giving us information before we need it so that when we get to these life situations and circumstances, we're, we're, we're not going to be exempt from going through them, but we just, we're not going to be so inundated with the feelings of fear and things that come for the first time when you're trying to deal with life that you... You're comfortable enough that okay, I, I've been here before. So when Kobe Kobe Bryant was practices beyond the average person, such that when he get in the championship game, when everybody's going in and we're going to triple overtime, he's been there. Yeah. And and we we are trying to do that same thing. Where we're quiet, quieting the quieting the body, the mind, the spirit. Such that when we really need to show up for ourselves, we we're not gonna panic, we're gonna deliver. And that's what you, you've done, man. Your place is, what I see here and what I've seen over the years, I, I would say it to many people, I said my brother has, is, has evolved to a degree where, where I, I, many men may not evolve like this in a lifetime. And you're on a journey and I was on a journey, you said earlier, that you know understanding my commitment to the community, and I am committed to our community. I, I have a unique background from growing up the way I did. Yeah. But you've taken that message and now you've evolved it to humanity. And at the end of the day, that's what it is about. Bro. It, it is about you evolving your, your humanity. Uh, and, but there are not spaces and places like this where we can do that. Uh, the average brother don't have brothers like me or brothers like you. I mean, today we're in a different time where the information that comes can be wrong, but it can be, get a, a million hits. And so a kid might get a million hits on something that's wrong yeah. and make decisions off of, off of that. And, and believe that in order to be popular on TikTok, you gotta do some outrageous stuff. So it takes you way outside of normal development.
1: You, you, um, you mentioned the 12 rounds in the ring. <clears throat> when we're in that ring fighting when we're younger, there'd be <clears throat> women in there too. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's not lost on me that it's mainly women in our lives, bro. And that's where I feel a lot of our um, biggest opportunities were were in those moments of being in that in that ring you know we get with these women man like all of the most sensitive parts of us are exposed Mm. and it's and 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 i don't know what it is about the 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 energy or the nature of being raised by women and being round around a lot of women and then how how when we actually start to do work that we immediately recognize that that's where a lot of it is showing up. Why, why is that?
0: Well, I mean, you know, when I look back at my experience, your experience, and, and a lot of the young men's experience that I work with now, when you, when you grow up with women or you have, um, you know, a father not present and, and so therefore there is the the influence and, and the guidance of, around what manhood should be coming from a woman then you got a a, a heavy deficit of what manhood is and the rights a passage of of manhood because a woman can never teach a, a boy how to be a man and we know we, we hear that all the time but we cannot deny that we have a high emotionality with men today who, are, who grew up with their women and, and fathers um, not being present. And what it leads to when you swing so far to the, to the left where there's emotionality, then you don't have the ability to, to think. You know, we have a model in psychology called the antecedent, the behavior, and consequences, it's A, B, C. And kids who are so emotional don't think about consequences. They think about instant payback. And they they could pay you back by running you off the road or pay you back by harassing you or pay you back by making a life-changing, altering decision for you and them but it, it's not thinking about the consequences of the action because emotionality is very quick, very short, very intense, and you know somebody has hell to pay off of a minor mistake. And so that emotionality I grew up with, and people, I saw, they saw it on the basketball court, and it almost made me lose the scholarship because it, you know, being provoked by the, the the opponent, you know, I would come back down and elbow him, and I would come down and dunk on him and then say something to the coach. <laughs> <laughs> like, put the next player in. Um, just out-of-bound behavior. Like, you, you're you talented, but you, you're a Terrell Owens type. And I love Terrell. I got every jersey. <laughs> but... When you think about how he grew up with his father not being there, and in the various circumstances, and, and Terrell's example uh, is is a is reality for a lot of young black boys. Yeah. Um, except he's a, he, you know, he's in a state where, you know, we're not going. He's a multimillionaire, um, but the reality of his circumstance, we 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 are the same. Mm -hmm. And so that emotionality is something that men have to work on. We'll have to work on, to be honest with you, for the rest of our life. And just because I have a PhD in psychology doesn't absolve me from having to manage that side of me that is really like a foundational personality uh, that I have. Uh, So I think it's very important for mothers to understand that the father has to be a part of a child's life. And I think that we underestimate that father's presence, especially if he wants to be and desires to be in that child's life. Uh, we, I find in my field that oftentimes that's that's a you know a weapon that you know has a long-term consequence yeah. for for many male children and females because it's just as important for a daughter to have a father in her life um, for the same but opposite reason.
1: I remember asking you that, I don't want to say asking, I can't recall that. I remember us having a conversation and you telling me that your purpose was to be, you were here to be a healer. And I I, I didn't understand that at all, bro. (laughs) I didn't get,
0: I didn't understand it either. <laughs> Sometimes I was like, God, why did you call me to do Are this they, kind of work? But you understood the function though. I understood the function, but I'm gonna tell you, I, I think it, it evolved around the healing I needed as a child. And seeing the women struggle with relationships, economics, housing, Things we couldn't control—I couldn't control—but as a young man, I was a child. I was like, I want to, I want to help. So the only thing I could do at that time is we—we we got two dollars a day for allowance, which was good back then. Oh, she was rolling, especially if it was four y'all. Yeah. So that two dollars every morning was just reinforcement to get up and go to school and you know have a snack with my lunch, additional snack. But by Friday. I would usually have eight saved, so I wouldn't spend the money. Because sometimes on a weekend, we didn't have enough food, and I would say, Mama, I got these eight dollars. Why don't you go get some bread and some lunch meat? And she would look at me like, as only a mother could do, noticing something different about this one child not that my sisters weren't handling their business, but this was what I could do to protect. She gave me an economic stimulus package that I gave back to the family by the end of the week. And that was the foundation of how I saved to this day. Um, But it also made me say, I want to do this for my, my family, in in my community. And that's that's what led me into the field of psychology to this day. And there was an extreme with it though, I think. Cause you you
1: wouldn't turn on the heat, bro, when it was cold. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't gonna never let you
0: Yeah. Man, it'd yeah. be
1: it'd be 30 degrees in this house. I'll never forget one time he would not turn on the heat. I was like, but Reggie, it's cold. He Listen. said your thoughts keep you warm.
0: <laughs> I remember that. That's why your thoughts keep you warm. Listen, bro, I tell people, when you come over to my house, just be prepared that the heat's not going on until November. So bring your jacket and your skull cap. Uh, but that was mostly in college. <laughs> so,
1: But there was a relationship to resources Yeah, yeah. that... If you were doing that at a young age and then you get a practice of doing that for so long, that has to change your relationship to money and to how you, perce- what, how you perceive what you feel you deserve and how you experience it. Or maybe like your value at that point is is derived from how you
0: give it. Yeah. Well, my my concept with money as a result of that experience is. And again, I'm I'm, you know, you evolve, you, you always evolve around money, but my concept to it is I'm not attached to it. I need enough of it to survive. And then I need to know, again, that everybody else has some, some of it to help with their humanity. Now of course there are abuses with that because that kind of thinking makes me vulnerable to, to my family, it makes me vulnerable to close friends, it makes me vulnerable to to anyone. I mean, you know, it it and it has made me vulnerable and I've paid a price to people, loaning money or you know feeling you know obligated to causes that help people. Uh, And it it brings you to, to feel like, okay, I'm just going to change that about me. And because I can't control that I care so much about people. Yeah. And I always, well, I just came to the conclusion that I can't change that. I probably need to have a financial advisor and people close to me to help me manage that, which I do. But I... Think of money as a tool, and if I have enough of it, that's all I need, and now I want to figure out how to make it such that everybody else have what they need. Uh, and again, I know it's an outdated way to think it, and it makes me vulnerable. Like, it can make you vulnerable to a partner who might be thinking along the lines of, OK, this guy's not watching this stuff, so I'm going to take a little here, take a little And the next thing you know, they, they've taken a lot by taking a little over a long time, and you wouldn't notice it because my mission is so, my mission is outside there, out in that community. Um, I wouldn't notice that somebody close to me is robbing me blind. So, because again, I'm thinking you can't steal what I don't value, but I earned it, but that's not what my value is. It's where their value was. So, you know, you do have to watch it. <laughs> you can't just be be so willy-nilly with, with money finance. As you're saying that, it's making me think about this
1: video I posted the other day. And it was talking about your superpower being a person's true superpower is in their ability to make someone else experience theirs. Mm. And... You know, when I'm thinking about you getting ten dollars a week, and then you're dropping off the eight, I'm imagining—and I'm not saying Jan did this, by the way—but I'm imagining, oh well, shit, I'm giving this ten now, I'm expecting this eight. <laughs> after, after, well, I'm expecting this six, so I'm expecting something. So now, a precedence has been set to to engage, or to expect, yeah, and yeah. and especially when the when the um, dopamine shots and the pleasure principles and the feeling that you get from making out someone's smile and adding value, now it's been reduced to a transaction. Yeah. Um, yeah. And not just who you are. And, and being a giver in the way that you are and the conversations that we've had in the past People can miss the bigger picture yeah. and purpose of your presence and just see it as a transaction. But you continuing to show up in that way exposes that in themselves yeah. more
0: so like you're doing what you're supposed to do. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do and I'm being taken advantage <laughs> <laughs> on top of it. And I got these people that I love and that I want to take care of, um, but there are limits, and you do have to impose limits. Um, and 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 with any family, and especially black families, you know, when somebody makes it out, there's this presumption that the fact that you made it out means that you have a lot of money, and you you got to help make, help somebody else make it out, and 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 and. And they both could be true, but not true. What people don't talk about is the loans that you took outside of the scholarships to go on with the graduate school, because you don't get too many scholarships. I had some academic scholarships with my my uh, masters and PhD, but you still have some debt. And so you you're paying your debt back, and you're trying to get into the field, and you, you know, like any person that's gone to school. You, you don't have as much as it looks like you have. Um, but the expectation is, is that now that you've made it, you got to support everybody. Yeah. And, uh, and you've seen these stories. These stories are uh, plentiful with athletes and you know, having to either, either they go broke because they're, they, they feel loyal to, to too many people or they have to cut people off in order to to keep their sanity and, and keep their wealth. Um, but nonetheless, it could be family members. It could be, you know, people, you know, proposing a business and all of these ideas that people have with your money that they think would make you three times more. And yeah. usually if it's too good to be true. It is. <laughs> it is. Um, but I think you have to... Find that space and that place where you, you know, you can still help people. I mean, the reality is, Mike, America just doesn't take care of just basic needs for people. And it could. I mean, if you think about the wealth distribution of, you know, the one percent who owns ninety-eight percent of the wealth, and it doesn't have to be, but it is. Um, it makes people desperate in ways. So those people who, who do get a little bit, the first thing that people that are desperate are gonna do is go to those people. They're not going to the 1%. You know, they're going to the people they can get access to. So, but the people who, who just got their wealth are not necessarily the ones who called the, caused the uh, the poverty for the masses. So. You know, there's got to be a balance somewhere in between where you you leave off with love and you help and support, and then you leave off with, "Hey, this is the line," and then yes, you do. You can tell what happens is yeah. <laughs> people leave you. Yeah, they leave you quick and fast when you can't provide, um, and whether that be your family or your your helpmate, um, and it is unfortunate because. Relationships now feel very transactional. Uh, the concept of partnering is is quite different today than than what it was back in the day, um, and it's impacting, you know, family systems, our community, um, and these are challenges I, that show up in the clinic, they show up in my practice, and they show up in my private life. Um, but the reality is is that you know, you still have to find a way to bring people to, to healing. And that sometimes means that you, you have to part ways with with people yeah. as you, you maintain your, your state of sanity and your healing state. One of the things I appreciate about how you show up in life,
1: man, is that you've always been very transparent. And despite what others project on you, yeah. you don't profess to have it all together. Mm-hmm. You know what you know, and you'll run that shit into the ground. Yeah. Here's the game. Here's how you do it. Like, I got a blueprint. I got a game plan. Follow it if you want to, but this is how you get... If you say you want to get to Z, and I didn't been to Z, this is how you do it. But a part of that is... Manage, monitoring and managing your internal systems, what's going on within you and being transparent about that Yeah. as you show up as that facilitator for other people. And... does does your ability to do that damage the professional perception of you cuz like in my mind i think people have this idea that psychologists and therapists <clears throat> have it all together and that the idea of them having to manage these personal like the, I'm helping you with a personal thing, but guess what? I'm a human being and I got this personal shit that I need to address. Like it, within the professional community of, of, of therapists and psychologists, what's the, what's the relationship to self-care and, and all of that
0: within, within that system? Well, first of all, we got a lot of stigma around help seeking in our community. Um, it is, you know, there are many professionals who do this work who need just as much support around their mental health as the people that they see. Um, when you think about the realities of we're 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 human beings first, so the field and and the profession of psychology is is just that it's a profession. So we we have a personal life outside of psychology that we deal with and the reality is is that as therapists you still have to do this work you have to do this work for the rest of your life it doesn't it you know the concept of seeing people around the most difficult challenges challenges in their lives for however many hours you do it a week you're taking on the stress of Of somebody's life and then you have to in your day find a space to de-escalate everything that was all that energy that was inside you and then you got to transition to be a father or you know the next part of your life for the rest of the day and and then you have to deal with your friends and you know find you know be you but there's always a perception that people who 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 have a mental health background don't have problems and i would say to you that is so far from the truth you know people from that have mental health pro, uh backgrounds probably have more issues going on in, in fact we could probably say a good portion of them that's why they enter the field and so you look at my background and it's centered around looking at what happened to the women, what happened to the community Um, in my effort as a child, not being able to control or save or help, you know, so I, you know, I did it with the $8 a week initially. And then as I got older, it became more money. And then it became, you know, how do I give back so that I can heal this community while at the same time healing myself, it's not easy to grow up without a father in a household full of women. I mean, I probably became a psychologist because of that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, just what is going on here? And you said earlier that um, do I, as I started to learn this field, that I see it play out with people? Yeah. There were people that didn't, I couldn't understand their behavior in the community, that as I studied psychology, I understood that, oh, that's, you know, that's manic depressive behavior of disorder. Oh, this person is, oh, that's bipolar. Auntie, (laughs) no wonder, you know, you're connecting dots. And then if you start to study family systems, you start to see areas where trauma impacted the family. And then that impacted parenting. And then that impacted behavior when someone grew up to marry a spouse and you know, Things seemed to go well until they didn't, and you didn't understand why. And so you can kind of draw, you know, connect these dots uh, much better than you, you could as a child. Because back then, we would ask, well, what's wrong with this person? And they, you know, <laughs> they would say, that's just uncle so-and-so, <laughs> that's is. just auntie so-and-so. So, you know, yeah, there's a perception about who we are and that we don't require much. I'll I'll be honest with you, man. I and you know this, I, you know, I had a police incident report or issue two weeks after I got my PhD that centered around, you know, me me being angry for a traffic stop. And um, one of my friends was like when I told that as a as a as a self-disclosure to a young man that I was mentoring and and counseling. He says, well, how how did you have that incident? But you had a psychology degree. (laughs) And I said, well, it doesn't that degree doesn't stop the history that preceded that degree. Mm -hmm. And so. He understood and then I further followed it up with, "I, I still have to manage that. And that's why I still Am seeing a therapist and I, I try to get brothers to understand that that's a you know we don't have too many spaces to go to but that's a space that's safe that's a space where you can begin to try to make everybody has a blank canvas but they have dots on it and as you start to self-explore and introspect and connect these dots, it gives you a better perspective of what that picture ultimately is going to be. You remember when we were children and we we had these little books where they had these dots and if you connect one to the two to the, all the way to 31, the picture will reveal itself. Yeah, uh, That's how life is. And the brothers, we have these dots, but we don't know what that picture is. And so when I gave you those books, I was trying to help you connect your dots, your pictures, your picture. Yeah. But I'm just somebody that's facilitating something that allows you to go into a space for you to make sense out of these dots yourself. A beautiful thing about the body and the mind, the way the creator set it up, is the body will heal itself if you just leave it alone. If you don't add more alcohol, more over overeating, it will really just balance itself. You get cut and that cut on your body starts to immediately something in your system says, hey, something just opened up the skin. Let's send some white blood cells and, and, and this and that over there to seal that. It's going to re- require some, some inflammation and so forth. And after the inflammation, you know, then the scab is going to come. But the healing is starting to happen, whether you're going throughout your day or not. The mind and the spirit is the same, but we, we get so much information today coming into our minds through technology where we don't quiet that mind Yeah, in a space and place where it can reset itself. Because it's the equivalent of agitating a wound, a physical yes. wound. It, it can't reset. It's- when your phone doesn't work and your computer's messed up, the first thing you do is you turn it off to re- hopefully have it reset itself, reboot itself. Um, But we have to find space and understand the value in just quiet, the value in in resetting. And as men, you know, we're constantly got a fist clenched because we got so much coming our way, man, (laughs) from the time we wake up and the time we leave that we don't get to unclench these fists. And so that has a certain uh, chemical effect. Where there's a release of dopamine and serotonin and all these other things that increase one's stress and blood pressure and you know lead to one thing to the next thing to the next. Um, and so, oftentimes, I just think that you know the field of psychology. We 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 are human beings. We go through these same things, and we have what we do have. We have techniques on how important it is to be, you know, in the moment that we call mindfulness. And we have techniques of relaxation, progressive muscle relaxation and things like that, that you do learn that probably someone in a different culture has taught kids Yeah. that they do it and they just nurture it up in that way so that they're not afraid to, to, to tackle these issues around mental health and, and how do you stabilize your spirit
1: I think it it, it lends back to what you were saying about the information being in the environment kind of like ahead of already like so much of our stuff. I think sometimes is like reactionary as opposed to integrated into as just a part of if we walked to work, we wouldn't have to work out as much as we do because health and movement and you know, moving the body is a part, is integrated into the life that we have set up. Mm -hmm. Sometimes a lot of, uh, we have so much dysfunction
0: integrated into life. Well, remember that dysfunction is, is is for a lot of indigenous people, is purposeful. Mm. So, just imagine if I said, Well, if you just sit still, the body will repair itself, but then there's somebody just messing with you all the damn time. So that you can't <laughs> you yeah. can't you can't balance it. Like you you're gonna get up and you're gonna do something to the person because they they're breaking your peace. Um, and then the person disappears so that they're not physically bothering you. But now they're bothering you in ways you can't see where you try to turn in an application to get a job. You get denied. You try to move into a neighborhood and you got the money. You don't get the loan. You try to, to, to go to a, a store uh, in Paris and everybody knows your name, but you get denied from buying a, a, a you know, multi $10,000 purse. And your name happens to be Oprah, Oprah Winfrey. Yeah. And so you just keep getting it. The, the, the money does not matter. The, how, the place where you live doesn't matter. It's just because you got a black tax. And many of us don't understand that black tax. We just understand the, the reaction because if you're on all the time and you can't come down where you could be in your state of humanity, then of course you, when somebody step on your shoe, you're gonna, they're gonna catch hell. That was meant for somebody else. So, you know, we have if we can get ahead of the game to, to realize that somebody has 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 it, and this is unfortunate, but somebody's consistently trying to turn back civil rights, consistently trying to make you less than. And we're talking about 2023, even after George Floyd, Eric Gardner, and many others. Somebody's consistently saying, we don't want you here. We don't want you to have peace. We don't want you to have nothing that, you know, that threatens our, the reflection that we're not up to par with you or we've fallen below and you've gotten more. You know, we, we haven't, we've underestimated that these things, these invisible things are having a tremendous impact on our soul. Yeah. And so it's not just a physical thing. It's the things you can't see and we have, to, we have to be cognizant of the fact of what that is and prepare for it to the best extent we can.
1: And money is a tool for that, to help mitigate that.
0: It is. Um, I mean, think about it. Unfortunately, we've been in America for over 400 years. We own less than 1% of the wealth here. And every time we've tried as a community, to whether it be Rosewood or, or you know the variety of communities that are now underwater water in some places, or you know communities where we've we've thrived independently, then someone challenged it, burned it down, or changed the game and in eminent domain. And I mean, you take Central Park. black community, Mm -hmm. but yet at the same time, if you're an immigrant, you can come over here and thrive. In fact, our men who have become a a commodity for the prison system, and our communities have become a commodity for immigrants to start businesses to serve us soul food, cut our hair, sell us our liquor, sell us our liquor. And if you're too poor, you can get loosey. And unfortunately, you can lose your life for that as Eric Garner did. But it's to turn you into a consumer. When you say, well, how can we be a consumer when we don't have a lot of money? But you, know, you can look at the dollars that go through our community and it is it can you're talking about trillions of dollars that is the econ- economy for for some third world countries mm-hmm. but it's allowed for it to come through. it's just not allowed to develop. So you have this you have this thing now that it's playing out now where... Black women have access to, to the system in ways that men don't. So now you have a challenge with relationships and how men show up or cannot show up in relationships or what they're expected to do as a result of someone believing that the power is in that, that money, that position, not realizing it was, it was set up for the access. And these are complicated topics, trust me. It's just that they show up in the clinic broken relationships, failed homes, um, homicide, suicide, um, bad behavior in children, tight spots and irrational thoughts uh, happening in, 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 in the community often. You know, in Philadelphia, as, with most cities in the the United States of America, there's a violence problem. And black men are dying at the hands of black men. And yeah, they die at the hands of police too. But every week and every couple of days, if not every hour, there's someone dying. And then even more people that are shot but survive. So this trauma, and we talked about our ability to reset, it's hard for communities to reset, families to reset, kids to reset. I have kids who have to go through experience violence and go back to school like it never happened. And so we're challenged in ways to, to, to find our humanity because back in the 60s when I told you we were raised, we, we had violence, but in St. Louis, <laughs> East yeah. St. Louis, you know, back in the day, the most you would happen to you is you get cut. Yeah. And earlier than that, we would—you have a problem with somebody. They put some boxing gloves on you, and y'all had to best man win. You yeah. might get beat up, but you'll live. You'll live, and then you know, it, the fight's over. Y'all got to go be friends again. And so we're in a different time when we're talking about just what what is our humanity? So, you know, we have a lot of things to talk about, man. But the reality is, is that we're still here, showing up, trying to be accountable, being accountable, living, loving. There you know, we're thriving. We have new industries and TikTok and YouTube. I mean, there's more information available to us We're finding out historical things about our culture we've never even been exposed to without a degree. So there are opportunities now that that supersede these systems that impinge upon our humanity. Um, And so there's some optimism there uh, as well, so. Which
1: is amazing, man, because I feel like I ain't never met a person, bro that ever said, hey, man, things are going really well. I'm going to go talk to somebody. People <laughs> only going to go talk to somebody. They have to. When Court shit order. is all array. Order. Yeah, yeah. Array. But you're seeing the worst. You're seeing people at what I perceive to be, what they perceive to be the worst or the lowest parts in their lives, and then you've got this structure of psychology and this methodology that you have to, you know, uh, employ to to help people process through. Yeah. How do you stay optimistic as you do that? Because and, and another thing too, to be your largest, excuse me, population of people you
0: help work medicate. Like kids. Yeah, kids, poor community, or what they, what, you know, the threshold of what poverty is. So it's those kids and their families that I see. How do you look, how do you stay optimistic, man? (laughs) I laugh because there are challenging days, man. Trust me, man. There are challenging days where, you know, we study statistics in psychology, so you, you know the statistics of what is happening. Like the stats say that if you are not at the third, fourth grade reading and math, you're, the likelihood of you ending up in prison is like prison is like ninety percent. That's stats. So the average kid that 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 is in a public school setting might be three to four grades behind in math and reading and who knows what it is since COVID. So we got some heavy, heavy stats on, you know, the, the, the ball that we're pushing up the hill to, to get back to parity so that these kids are not statistically vi- li- viable to go into that prison industry. But I will say this. You know, you have some need to have a religious belief that whether that be your Jewish faith, your Muslim faith, your Christian faith, and I don't want to get into how all these religions formulated because that's a whole other debate. But I can tell you this I know that there's a God. This is my, what I believe. And because I believe that, then, you know, I pray. And because I do pray, I study and I read. And there are times when I'm reading this, my, my, my religious text, and things that I read when I was young, 19, 20, 25, and I'm reading it now at 55, has a whole nother impact on me. And the times that I'm doing this is usually before I go to bed or when I wake up in the morning. And I find such joy in Hmm. the belief that my purpose is to make the world a better place and that somebody bigger than me is backing me to do that, even though it's against the overwhelming odds. (laughs) So when one of these stories that I've read in my religious text talks about, you know, David and Goliath. And for sure, David was supposed to lose. For sure, there's no doubt. (laughs) He's supposed to get jammed up. And he comes out victorious. Well, that story, even though you didn't witness it, reverberates and sends a vibration to you that You can be David, even though shit is falling apart all around you. You can be Neo in the Matrix when the Sentinels are coming and destroying all parts of the ship. And, you know, they're down to the point to where they didn't penetrate the whole of the ship. and, And he, at the last minute, defeats them on one end so Morpheus can push... This this button to, to short circuit them. But you have to believe. And so, no, I don't have the scientific piece. I do know this. We have a the science that we have so far is a Hubble telescope seeing stuff mankind has never seen in galaxies, beyond galaxies, beyond galaxies. And that fascinates me. And so the very thought of that for me, being a nerd, a book reader, someone who, who is, has a religious belief, lets me know that my little piece is still important for the larger piece, even though I may not be here to see it all come together. Yeah. And every culture has or teaches its, its, its people to do their part for another generation down the road. So, but it is a challenge in this American culture for war, and it's me, 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 and you want to get yours for now yeah. that you don't understand how what you're doing now can benefit someone later. So, <clears throat> you know, for someone listening to this, they may sound, well, yeah, brother, that's, that's all good and dandy, but it's all I have to make sense of what I do against the odds that I'm up against. And I know that I'm not alone. I have you, I have many other people that are trying to do good in this world. And we sometimes, you're not going to look on the TV and find a space and a place where brothers can talk. I mean, yeah, you got your your LeBrons and you got, your you know, these certain podcasts, these brothers are talking sports, you know. But the reality, the average brother, yeah, finding a space and a place, place now, of course, everybody thinks they can do a podcast now. But the truth of the matter is is how do (laughs) do you reach the common person and still push them to believe and hope, man? And I think the only way we can do that is to have a belief in higher power. You have two kids. Yeah. About 15 and 11. 15-year-old daughter and 11-year-old son. About uh, 11 years ago,
1: you won the Father of the Year Award. Yeah. Yeah. And I came up for the ceremony and watched you get your award. And you went up and gave a speech, bro. And I'll never forget. And it's actually something that I've been using to play out a, a thought about something you said you, you had no idea, you never imagined that being a father would help you heal from not having a father in your life. Yeah, yeah. And that has always stayed with me, man. And I wanted to give you an opportunity to talk about how becoming
0: a father has like changed you? Wow, that 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 thought of um, just hit me because there are days when I I realize what I said, but it's so challenging to to try to be a father today, you know, like any man, I'm going through a lot, you know, go through a lot where I feel like I don't necessarily meet up to what I think a father should be, Mm. but I also sometimes overcompensate, but for me, I, I believe that Our father being the first foundation for me as, as people would call it a stepdad, but his, his reality for me just gave me confirmation that A, I'm not alone, and B, he came along at a time where I was probably 13, 14 years old and needed him right at that adolescent transition where everything is happening. Um, So, no, I didn't have the figure early on, came later on. And now as a father today, I think that I, um, what's different today for me, man, is, is that the reality is I can't always control the things that, that I want to leave or influence with my kids today. We, we got technology that they're competing with. We got schools and peers and things. And, and if your partner is, is on the same page or not, uh, these things are the realities of, you know, they come in place or have a place and an influence on you being a father. So all I could say to that is, is that I've discovered not only that I want to be the best father that I can be for my children in the field of psychology, as you would think, or I have discovered, is that my healing is also occurring around the fact that I am i got my 15-year-old daughter, my 11-year-old son, that I'm trying to be the best father that I can be to, but in my healing, I realized that I'm still healing the third child that I have, and that is the boy in me that didn't have the father looking at me trying to be a father. Some days, Feel like I failed him. Some days I feel like he's proud of me, and then some days I'm very, very. Um, conscious of making sure that he understands he's safe. And that's, that's what healing looks like, for real. It's probably that way for a lot of men. They, they just may not be able to articulate it that way. But it's work I do with other men. And it's certainly work I do with myself.
1: as your brother, bro, you know you got things going on, man, with the kids now. Yeah. You know, you got a whole situation. And, um, you know, you sought out to to be this force. You know, and you, you are that force, like in the community and doing a lot of things, man. And then you, you know, you got these three kids. <laughs> Three kids, you know, and, and um, thank you for, for articulating it in that way because it helps me see where you are now clearer, more clearly, you know, because even though things aren't going right with the two, you know, what's the one saying? Is that third one, he,
0: and I know what he's saying. He's saying what the other two can't say right now. He's saying he's proud of me. I feel safe. Go, daddy, go. And along with my religion, that's what keeps me going right now.
1: Man's journey, man, is so muted now. Yeah. And I, and I don't know how we let brothers know, man, that we see them and that we love them and that we hear them. Because there's a voice that's just overshadowing what we're going through yeah, and how we're processing. And, you know, the ego in me just want to be like, <laughs> we don't need it. Right. Right. But we do
0: at the same time.
1: And the more we get into the practice of feeling that need for ourselves, man, the greater I feel we are of a, of a force to show up in a more, uh, competent way, I guess, for lack of a better word, like mm-hmm. to our, to our community of folks, man, to like our, our, our circle. I know a lot of brothers hurting. Yeah. Going yeah. through stuff. Yeah. And don't have the language. don't have the emotional intelligence, man, to say what you just said mm-hmm. without including a whole bunch of other people. Yeah. You know, and those people, the things that they've done, they're real. They're fucked up. They're what they are. But that little boy still needs something in all of us. And we don't get to tell him, oh, but so-and-so. Yeah.
0: They didn't ask to be the one in us, right? They didn't ask for the journey. They they just experienced it, and a lot of us are trying as men. You know, you get you get that man who struggles with that into a relationship, and you can see why he may overly expect things from his partner. That he didn't get from his mother, or he may feel it's okay to behave a certain way because of what he saw with his father. Uh, it all plays out. Oft- oftentimes, you know, there's there's a perception that adults are adults in the clinic until you see the wounded child within that adult, and you see, you know, that wounded child driving a lot of the behavior of the adult. But I hope that, and I believe that, men are finding their voice, they're finding it in a lot of ways. You know, sometimes it, it takes on entrepreneurship. Sometimes it takes on, you know, these brothers are heavily into to crypto. <laughs> I mean, they're trying <laughs> to find a way out of yeah. what they've been given as reality. That no, they don't. They don't accept. I mean, they they're finding allyship with Republicans. Um, they're voicing what they need in relationships in, a, in an unprecedented way. So something is happening. What brothers are saying. I'm beginning to find my humanity. And in finding their humanity, we, we want to see them enter a professional relationship to, to begin to find and begin to heal that inner child. I hope that part of my journey is to, to be authentic, to show brothers that we, we can have it all together, man, and still not have it together, but it doesn't mean that we we can't get it together and be hopeful about yeah. rescuing and healing ourselves or in a child. So we can show up and be the best fathers we can be for any of our kids. And ultimately, with our, our, ourselves and our partners.
1: Um, and you can still be useful and not have it all together,
0: bro. Absolutely. I think that's the, that's what, fails a lot of brothers is that we, there's this, this voice that tells us we have to have it together, we have to be perfect. But it is tough in this society because a, a black man can make one mistake in this society and be canceled. People are quick to, to dismiss our humanity. And so this is work that has to be done To be honest with you, in the shadows, it has to be done behind the scenes. You have to take care of yourself to do your work, because people are looking to stop you from doing this work. Yeah, they have a purpose for you. You know, to serve as a consumer or a prisoner where you're making ten dollars, ten cents an hour, and you have to understand that that's a principality that's already that that deck is set. You just got to avoid it. And so part of, the, of that avoidance is to get some space and some place where you can be quiet, let your mind reset so you can get in touch with this and do it to the extent that you can do it on a day-to-day so that then you can go bridge to a therapist or a healer or life coach. You don't have to be therapy. It, it just has to be something that is pro-your-humanity. Yeah, And... Um, and find one or two brothers, you know, or a group of people. Yoga for men, exercise, diet, reading, you know, all these, this this game is inside, man. We've just been taught that if we don't have the stuff outside, then the stuff inside is not worth much. And the societal incentives are on the outside. That's where the game is. And that, That's where our women are. That's where everybody is at. And we're like, you know, you get a car to get a woman. <laughs> you, you buy a watch. You, everything you do is to, to find a partner. And, and she inadvertently becomes socialized to think those are the things that your value is based Yeah. On. When so many of us don't have either access or or these things that tell us that is our worth. So we spend our lives outside of ourselves trying to avoid the inner self where the most power is.
1: And all of the work, the only benefit we get from doing the work is the fact that we did the work. We're not gonna get a ticker parade, bro. We're not gonna get a bonus on our check. We're not gonna get a pat on the back. Nobody, you will understand what it means for me to forgive my mother. Yeah, I'm not. I don't benefit in any other way other than the fact that I forgave her. So a lot of it, and you, and you,
0: you benefit. Socially, Fine. I mean. No, right. Socially, well, inadvertently, you benefit by no longer suffering. Yes. And that no longer suffering frees up energy for whatever your divine purpose is, like whatever, you, what are you here for? This podcast is a divine purpose. It's a calling. It's a... It 's a piece of what you've evolved to do it's how you are healing the inner child in you. It is for me the same and it's going to be this it's going to have that same effect on many men who may look at this with by themselves or with their sons or brothers it, like I said, the, the body will reset itself if it finds the environment to re- reset itself. So you're right. Your purpose and your relationship with your mom comes back to, to you. And yes, we've ta- had many conversations about, you know, and I, I think I talked about it today that we have to connect these dots. And so the hardest thing I've seen from, from, well, I've experienced in healing is being alone to start the healing process. That's the scary part. It's the hardest part because I'm conditioned not to be alone. I'm conditioned to be, you know, we're conditioned to, to socialize outside of ourselves. So it's almost like you're going to a place where you have the least amount of experience. Mm. That you have to go to to heal. So what is the incentive there? You can't see it. You can't. There's your your mind is telling you there's no value there, so you avoid it. You don't understand it. And then when you go to a place of solitude, you have to. Do you understand the amount of voices that you've been avoiding? that you have to confront in that ring, that you have to beat to discover you? I think it was Denzel Washington that said, King Kong, got shit on me. Imagine one of them voices saying that. You wanna save yourself? You gotta go through me. And that's where I feel you at right now. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm a giant slayer. I got my ass kicked for the first six, seven rounds. I'm ready to fight eight rounds of eight, nine, ten, eleven, and twelve. And I'm going to be victorious. You know what? I have nothing to lose and everything to gain. I don't value anything but victory. So my life is centered around that. We talked about early on with the apartment being a reflection of what you are. My inner being is is prepared for victory. So it's going to convert the outside to victory. And I'm I'm willing, don't want to but I'm I'm going to die on that hill. My remaining time here is to just rescue me and manifest everything that I'm meant to be here on this earth. I don't have the ego. I've lost it. I've lost my family. I've lost things that I value. And when you've heard this saying, a man is the most dangerous when what yeah, there's nothing to lose. That's the state we have to be in to heal. Lose it all. It sounds singular. Not, it's not, not as a bad thing, though. But no. it's not. You are, you know, a boxer has coaches in his corner. I got you, I got my closest friends. It's no, I mean the, the focus. Oh, the focus has to be because <laughs> The focus becomes singular because, remember, you're distracted by these things, these outside things. What the body does, remember when it, we said it, it has a wound? Them T cells are down in your toes and your ears, and, and they a message comes from your hand to say a cut has occurred and they come rushing. Do those T cells and healing cells have a singular focus? Absolutely. They have to. They, Pre-programmed that when harm is to the rest of this body, there has to be a unison response, and unison, a focus, a unity, a purpose. And brother, you can't go to the store and purchase this. This is the state we are. This is the state we come here on this earth, and then we lose it due to the circumstances yeah. that we, we have on this earth. And all it is is just kind of finding yourself again. Prodigal son, had an inheritance. Brother decided to leave the house, go spend it all. I don't know, you know, the, the, the hip hop version of it He'd be spending it on bitches and hoes. (laughs) I don't know what he did. (laughs) And get fucking Lamborghinis in. Miami, a Freak Dick, whatever it is. (laughs) He he getting it. But he lost it all to the point to where he was with some pigs, living. And in that state, he found himself and came home. And his father threw a big party. because his son found himself, and he can finally take his rightful place in his home. Now, his brothers got mad because <laughs> the dad's like, pull out of all the stops. My son's home. And his dad say, said to him, welcome back, son. Welcome home. You be talking to Jan? I told you this, man. For me. Well, I said to you that we learn visually, auditory and kinesthetically. Manipulation. But the fourth thing for me is just the feeling of her energy. The way we talk is through my following through with my healing and showing her and feeling that she's proud that in my worst state a year year and a half ago, I'm 300 pounds hospitalized with high blood pressure and I have to call my mama and say, Mama, say I'm in a bad relationship, marriage, and I'm praying to my mother, save me. And the answer, the response for me was to, to show her I want to be saved. So I show her about changing the diet, going to the gym every day, eating healthier, Preparing the meals she taught me to prepare, but in a dietary, beneficial way. <laughs> them, you know, Minus I, the hog malls. Yeah. <laughs> and so I communicate with her by showing her I can do it. Because it was she who believed that I can learn, even when I was diagnosed as you know, having a learning challenge. She would force me to go in the corner, say them timetables. You ain't coming out that corner to you. And I'm, I'm mad at her because I didn't believe in myself. And one of the ways I'm gonna pay her back is, is to, to let her know that I'm taking care of myself. That I'm gonna continue to be a father to my two plus my one. Mm. And that I'm gonna never forget that I'm her son. And then I know she's looking out for me. You no know, pops are looking out for me. And I wanna love. I wanna love this world in a way that maybe I feel like I didn't get love. But part of that is helping men to heal. Helping boys to heal. Yeah. And, and giving my life and showing up for them in ways with the rest of my time that I have to do that. Now, we haven't talked so much about relationships because that's a hot topic. And brothers and sisters, we got some healing to do there. I've never seen this before where we're at. And probably won't get better before, or it's going to get worse before it gets better. But our kids are seeing it everything we do and we have lost the fact that our lives as adults is centered around preparing a place for them as adults and that means we, we move different and if you look at any other culture they understand that but again, any other culture hasn't been dealt the sleight of hand, the yeah. card Molly, you know, the trickery that we've been dealt. So we got some unusual circumstances and and one day you have to you have to ask yourself a simple question. Why is it that somebody believes that we're the greatest threat if we find ourselves? Such that they got to continuously make sure that we don't. It's clear to me, like, because they know the power. So if that can be said, then don't you want to know? Don't you want to withdraw a bit and and let your mind reset, your spirit reset? Do you have to have some 22s? Do you have to have the latest Do you have to? Be so caught up in the culture that you're alien to who you really are because somebody knows who you really are. And if you do find who you really are, then the world has to change as we know it. Yeah, has to. Think about it, bro. At the end of the day, You got two principalities of love and hate, and they both can't coexist. One wins out of the other. Self hate is what we have right now. Love is what we had. No, love is an arbitrary word, but what I'm saying is self love. Understood. Self-love will take you out of the capitalism game, let you reset, and let you re-enter <clears throat> that game as a boss, but not a boss just for you—a boss to provide support for 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 your people and all humanity. And I think a part of the bo- a part of what you're saying,
1: dude, is a part of it is expanding this notion of masculinity and manhood and the functions around what that means. If you you took your titles, bro, seriously, father, husband, but you mentioned something earlier that love is an action verb. Husbands and fathers believe that the action of love shows up in those relationships in specific ways. Yeah. And we can be so focused on the function of the action that we forget that there is a need for self in that process right. that, 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 and, and, and so, and, and the crazy part, by adding, if we add sacrifice yeah. into that, because that also fuels it. Because mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, the more true. I sacrifice, the better I can be dim- the better I can be presented to my community yeah. as a father and a husband. Right. Because sacrifice is into that. Yeah. But
0: you did that for so long that I almost lost myself. And, and to be honest with you, died on the job. Because that's what could have, those emergencies, from what I'm told, I'm thinking I'm an athlete, my head's just hurting because it's allergies and my blood pressure 198 in the emergency room. And they send me home Tylenol and Advil every four hours. And it still doesn't ha- ha- stop ha- happening for another two days. And I go back, it's 203. And the nurse is like, oh. and I'm like, what? what's happening? What does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> We're ignorant to the fact that I'm on my way out of here. Do the sacrifice. Because remember, the $8 at the end of the week was the sacrifice. You get, become a, an adult and you're doing the same thing because that's just what you saw and put that's you on the, the trajectory to sacrifice. I'm 300 pounds at that time, and I don't shop, so I got dad clothes. I'm Pele Pele in I, 2021. I, I have bought a pair of shoes in eight years until they, got, they have holes in it, but I'm a doctor, right? <laughs> I'm all this, but I don't value it other than to just do the work like some doctor that might be in a third world country just grinding. But I I also know that in that way, you do have to be loved while you're on your mission. Someone is supposed to see you and help. You know, if it's a partner, they're supposed to know that this man is on this mission, sacrificing for all these people and us. Let me make his day a little better. Let me find a way to to help ease his mind, so that we can hold at bay disease. If he's not eating right, let me help him get a salad. You know, because I'm on a mission to take care, to provide. You know, when you like provision, protection, parent, none of that is self care. It's, it's, that's what a man does. But that's why I, I was raised, that's what I did. But it's, so how do we expand that, bro? Unfortunately, I'm expanding it through crisis. So you gotta, you know, oftentimes when brothers really change, you know, the Mikey's, the Reggie's, the Malcolm X's, it takes prison, it takes something to stop you right in your tracks, blood pressure, emergency room. <laughs> Um, where you can't move to continue what you've been doing, and this is what I love about the Creator is, you can be so far off track, and He bring you back with a crisis that you think is is one thing, but it's 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 for it's the beginning of your yeah your health and your restoration, and you like. No, but this is a crisis. He's like, if we don't do this, we can't get you to do what I sent you here. Well, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> like, you want it all laid you know, it out. You know, you see that like, commercial like, where the kid gets the ice cream, he got sprinkles on it, and then he's like, and? <laughs> <laughs> like, and? <laughs> you want more? <laughs> so, that's it. The 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 enlightenment of where you are and where you need to be, bro, is extraordinary. And that's why you have to be brought out of the state of the crisis renders you so that you can't depend on the falsities that kept you in the position of not, even, not being able to take care of yourself. And so you wake up, and you don't know. It's like a baby being born again. What happens if the baby gets exposed? Yeah, They can't see, and the light is, you know, the bright light, until you start to make an adjustment. And then you start to see things. And you now have this, you're in touch with this consciousness that says, bro, every morning before I get up, there's a consciousness in me saying, get up, get your stuff on and hit the gym. There's a part of me like, man, this is a tough day. And I'm like, get up and go to the gym. So I get up and go to the gym. And you know what happens over time when you do something and that that new pattern now starts to stick in your brain so that when you don't do it, now you, you like okay, right? I may not have been able to do it this morning, but I'm gonna do it this evening because I gotta do it now. Now that's the most empowered state for me. And so people will say, "My, you've lost, <laughs> you've changed." You know, this is their way of saying you lost weight. You've changed so much since you've last time. <laughs> These must be <laughs> white people. <laughs> <laughs> Black, yeah. <laughs> yes.
1: And then you No offense, white people I'm just saying, but that just sounds like something you would say (laughs) when you see somebody black be like, damn. Yeah. You done
0: lost a gang of weight. And then you got all these clothes that suits and stuff (sighs) that don't, that you like, damn. I felt normal with these suits. These suits I wear (laughs) them now and it's clear that these are some big suits. Looking it like did. Steve Harvey. I tried to wear one the other day, and somebody was like, man, you got to get your suit tailored. Like Steve Harvey <laughs> had a sale. <laughs> yeah, so, I, brother, this is... The, the I'm 55, reintroducing myself to myself. And guess what? Brothers, when you get to this point, it's, it's almost like you're... Yes, you have a renewed mind because now you realize that self-care and self-love is just as important as taking care of everybody else. Matter of fact, you gotta do that first.
1: That's what I'm saying, bro. And I, I, and the reason why I'm the reason why I'm big on it is because it's the hardest thing to do. I think sometimes when we talk about self-care, I think. People, that translates into people's minds as, the, oh, go buy a car. Oh, go spend the money on a watch, like to go,
0: uh, like material things. Consumerism. Consumerism. Right. Consumerism I'm... is self care. So, so let's talk about that because it's disguised as self care. Right. And that's not what I'm
1: referring to when I say, Self care, as it relates to a man in that in that in that dynamic.
0: Now, but self care, the other self care, is alien to you. It is is uncomfortable, and you, it's just a no go zone.
1: That's why it's the hardest thing to do. That's why it's easier to pour into the family.
0: Of course, because the reality is, is now you you know when you start to heal and you, why am I doing this? Who gave me this message? Who does it benefit that I give my all and then I don't make it to 65? And you start to say to yourself, wait a minute. Black men die at 64, 65, bro. That's for me in 10 years, if I'm lucky. Um, I thought I was in the second half of my life. Statistically, I'm in the fourth quarter. So this is an urgent PSA. Self-care for you, brother, is your emergency calling to your self-healing, to your rescue of your inner child, to the true love and understanding of the people you care about, whether they will receive you in your authentic state or not, because the reality is some people cannot receive you in your best authentic self, and at your state of who you are, who, who you really are when you stop, when you stop this charade of consumerism and provision and protection for everybody except for yourself. And it is a very uncomfortable place to be until you get comfortable with it and then you start to develop a relationship with it and then you master it and then you evolve from it and then you enjoy life and you start living for the first time. Brother, I'm living right now for the first time in a long time. And you said when I, you came up to visit me in Philly, you're like, brother. <laughs> and I knew what you were about to say. But I'm doing that work away from you so that when you see me, we talk before we talk. You're saying I'm proud of you. My mom's saying I'm proud of you. My inner child is saying I'm proud of you. That's my cheerleading squad, dad saying it. So I watch what I eat. I work out, I limit alcohol, brother. We still, man, we gonna live. Yeah, we human, yeah, man. I still wanna love and give to the world. I still wanna take my metaphorical $8 and give it back to everybody else, man. And I tried to do that with my own family. It was not the formula for success there. But that's who I am. That's who I'm going to be. And I'm not going to change love, the concept of love and giving to others. And I love brothers. I love my brother. God brought you in my life to be my brother and healer. And so the best thing I can do to give it all with my remaining time, God forbid, that I'm, I don't want to leave, Lord, at 65 <laughs> yeah. or younger. I would love make to. Make it be clear, 20. man. Like, make it clear. You were telling yeah, me fourth quarter. Da.
1: I was thinking you ain't even hit the da. first. Time. Listen, I'm talking we <laughs> talk stats.
0: Yeah, right? you are. <laughs> Yeah, bro. but we, you know, part of that is making sure we clean up our living a little bit so that we can extend because truly what we do today is what, how it's going to impact us later. Yeah. But bro, this, my time looking at that time, I don't want to waste it. I want to make sure that I can extend it if possible. And I do, man, I, I want to make sure, you know, I didn't use the word efficiency, but I want to make sure that this time is counting in a way. You know, having it count with self-love at the top is a new life, a new way of living. It's different.
1: It's different, (laughs) man. It it even changes. It shifts the relationships. It's saying it, it. It changes. One of the things that I think becomes most evident when you really start doing that work is you realize how. How narrow your perspective of self was, because the thread is connected in so to so many things, yeah. that once you start to pull it, you you see what it you're like, oh, and and then you start to see other people differently. That's why I say, man, the, the greatest thing we can do for the people we love is to work on our shit. Yes. That's self-love. <clears throat> like that's the greatest
0: gift. That's, that's the greatest gift you can give. And I'm gonna tell you this, people have, you're gonna have to help them accept your, your version of self-love. And because they, self-love for them is not a concept that exists. Yeah. It's what you provide for them. Because society teaches our women and our children that we're supposed to give them external things, that we can't give them internal guidance, that we can't give them love. Love has to be attached to a holiday called Christmas, attached to gifts purchased at a store. It it has to be given to your family in a way that they're being socialized to receive it. And so therefore, if you are demonstrating self-love and care to your family, and your family is not in line with that version of self-love and care. You're selfish truth. as hit. You're selfish. And and they will be incentivized to leave you. Yeah. Hence the the 70 to 80 percent divorce rate in our community. People are not happy. Now, of course, I don't want to get into you know there are a variety of reasons why people are not happy, but the fact is, is that if our community is is taking a hit at Think of a business that loses seventy to eighty percent of its inventory and its viability. That business cannot be a business. Yeah, and marketing for 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 expansion expansion is gonna be
1: like marriage marketing, bro. Is non-existent.
0: Well, now you have brother Sand, you know, Passport, bro, and Red Pill, this and. You know, we have versions of men going, in some cases, to the extreme. Like, there's nothing that I've experienced in life that would ever make me dislike the, the, the greatest gift God gave me. Whether you believe in the conceptual story of Adam and Eve or not, I know that this woman that I have that was given to me is the greatest gift that I have on this earth. Now, as with the food that we eat, there are genetically modified (laughs) (laughs) versions of of what we eat so that it looks like a tomato, but it doesn't have all the nutrients of, of a tomato that is organic. And so we have a part of why we may have this high divorce rate it's probably related to just, you know, part of that along with men, you know, because you got if the flip side of that is women are saying that they're they're struggling finding. Authentic men. Yeah. But trust me, authentic men are a problem everywhere they go because society has not been socialized to be around authentic black yeah. men. Yeah, It's it's socialized to destroy black Authentic black men. Now listen, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I just know that, you know, if you take out a Malcolm X, a Martin King, Dr. Martin King, or you take out, you know, any variety of black men. I mean this brother that we just saw on Ant Man, um uh, what's his name? Majors or something. Jonathan Yeah. I mean, you know, we have an incident with his lady and And the next thing you know, he gets canceled before he just his career just really starting. And it's hard for us to recover as black men. You know, so, you know, we have a whole host of things. And so our prescription for healing has to be different. I can't go get the same prescription. For cold that someone else does, because you got to take into account my historic place in America. So in addition to the cold, what else am I dealing with, <laughs> you know, too? So, and i got to be conscious of that. So it makes me move different. If I feel like I, you know, as a brother, I have to have a curfew for my whole agenda and where I'm going, then I don't, I'm not going to be out late at night. Yeah. If I feel like I'm, you know, I got to feed my body and my spirit different then I, I got to, remember we said love is an action verb. I got to show love to me. Don't get in no relationship. Love yourself first. Be the action verb to yourself. You said to me the other day, manifest what you, you said that sometimes people are brought in your life to manifest the best that you are supposed to be for yourself. But you got to recognize it and maybe I'm saying it different than what you said it as, but once you realize that you got a self-love, you're not on somebody else's agenda now. Yeah. You're free. You, yeah. When I say free, you're free to do that agenda. And then so you do that agenda, and you find that if God created you in his image, then what is that? Is it what you currently are? You can answer that question. or is it not? And then what is it gonna take for you to be the best version of yourself first, before you put the mask on and make sure everybody else has enough oxygen to survive?
1: And a part of understanding, that was so beautiful, bro. The version isn't a destination. The version is the motion. So when we say, am I being the best, am I being the best version of myself? The question, when you said that, what I asked was, am I aligned with the flow of where I'm heading? And, or am I just or do I have this feeling of being a leaf, just falling, in the, falling through, the, through, the, through the air? Because where you are is just as perfect as where you're going if you're evaluating the, the flow. If you just take the moment and, and snapshot that, then you can have a lot of opinions about that moment. But relative to the flow, Asking myself, "Am I the best version? Am I reflecting God in the image of Him in the way you?" That's the the process I feel. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, time being an illusion. Forty year old Reg made a decision. Fifty-five-year-old Reg is managing that decision. Yeah. Sixty-five-year-old Reg. What is sixty-five-year-old Reg? If sixty-five-year-old Reg could talk to fifty-five-year-old Reg, what would he say to that fifty-to that fifty-five-year-old Reggie?
0: He would just say, in layman's terms, that first of all, words mean everything, bro. So I would probably think that he would say to him This is your time. You have another chance. Cause brother, with that kind of health crisis, it was only the, the, the most high that, that changed that. And not only did he change that, he extracted me and put me in a situation where I literally had to sit. Not like a timeout, but cocoon, like a rebirth. And so that 65-year-old would say, now that you've done that, trust. Trust. We then be say trust the process. But this is the process of you being authentically, you bro. I'ma tell you, I've never from that $8 a week to now, and now turning all that self-care back to me for the first time is a trust process that it's okay, because I'm built to try to look to everybody else's needs before my own. And so trust that it's okay for me to love this moment. It's okay that the, what I thought I had, the concept of what I thought I had was just that. It, it, these things can come and go at any time, but the purpose of life for you is to live in the moment, and living in that moment I have in my heart. He's going to say, you want to live and give? Live and give. Take enough and share the rest. It's okay to be you. It's okay to, to share and love your family, life, and the pursuit of health and a closer relationship with the Most High. Bro, when I say to you that I'm reading scripture that is, that, that is making a difference daily in my life, it, it is. And it doesn't always have to be in this the scripture. That's <laughs> the thing, bro. It's in moments of, of just being introduced yesterday to a space and a place where good people are. Why at this moment that we're, we're planning to be at place A and we go to place B and experience love instantly in a community that Instant. I've never seen before which confirms that the process of where you're supposed to be is in the moment of where you're at. Now, that sounds crazy to say. But where you are, man, is as long as you are just authentically loving you, you're going to show up in spaces and places, bruh, that are not planned. When you go with it, you're gonna be like, I just experienced something. I think I said to you, I hugged the sister and I was like, that sister got some power. <laughs> she got some energy. Now, of course, the brother be like, Man, you just was, you know. You just you yeah, thought she was cute. No, yeah. cause it was a few people, even your fiance. I mean, I could tell the energy, the love. And the hug was like, brother, I'm glad to see you. I'm, you know, when I hugs Zendo, it was like, bruh. It was like my mother, my sister, my unconditional love from my family, from another member of another tribe, saying, much like the prodigal son, welcome home, man, it's good to see you back. And so he would say, trust that, go with that. Because before what the the 40-year-old Reggie went with was what his eyes could see. You know, light skin, long hair. I mean, I had all these standards of beauty that were all messed up, bro. That we we are given, right? I had the red flags. I'm like, nah, nullify the red flags. Do you know what it took for me to to, to persist in the midst of nullifying somebody else's red flags to be with them? Complete. a complete and utter disabling disconnection of my source, my source being. And in my scripture, it says, in that state, he will turn you over to yourself. Your desires have outweighed my desires. So, so you have that. Just, here you go. If I had trusted the 40-year-old, that what I was given as a child and taught as a young man, that I was given the ability to understand those, that there were red flags on the scene. So when you have red flags and warning signs, you either travel with precaution or you avoid the area altogether. And so we have these, these devices in our cars now that will tell us in order to avoid traffic, or to cut 14 minutes off of travel time, we have a new route for you. My 40 year old self is like, nah, I can handle it. I'm, (laughs) I'll, I'll still persist. My 65 year old self is saying, the next time I tell you that there is a new route to take, take it, trust me. It's okay. Even if you perceive that you've lost something visually, Because we're not seeing with these eyes no more. We're seeing with the heart. We're seeing with the soul. Soul is blind to this bullshit that we see, bro. Soul tells you, hmm, something in this environment ain't right. Let's roll. So 65-year-old self, trust. Trust your intuition. Trust your soul. Keep doing this work. Keep doing the healing work. And guess what? It's not for you. It's for others. Your mission here is the same mission I had you on when you had them $8 by Thursday, brah. It ain't changed. This is your destiny. Now, you do that. I'll take care of the rest. If you want the shiniest, prettiest, most juiciest apple on that tree, stay on the road where I got you. You'll get that. Trust me, and if you don't have it, then you're not supposed to have it, so.